Hey everyone, welcome to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial knowledge. This is episode 17, recorded on May 14th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Okay, so for this week, we'll do uh, our normal weekly market update, uh, cover some Bitcoin news, three interesting articles uh, to go over, and then we'll finish with the monthly portfolio review uh, since it's that time. Market update. So stocks bounced higher on Friday to close a chaotic week in the financial markets helped in the end by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's reassurance that rate hikes on the order of 75 basis points were off the table for now. The day was spiced up by Elon Musk's announcement that his planned acquisition of Twitter was temporarily on hold because of concerns about fake accounts, which sent the stock reeling 9.7%. Robinhood shares soared 25% after Sam Bankman-Fried the founder of cryptocurrency exchange FTX revealed a 7.6% stake in the company. But Friday's gains were not enough to erase sharp losses for the full week, as investors worried about the Fed's ability to turn back raging inflation without knocking the U.S. economy into a recession. The Dow Jones index ended with its seventh weekly loss in a row, marking its longest losing streak since 2001 while the S&P 500 slid 2.4% for its longest weekly losing streak since 2011, and the NASDAQ composite fell 2.8%. Truly a wild week. Okay, so moving on to Bitcoin news. Uh, So the first one uh, here is, um, this was posted a day ago on uh, Bitcoin.com, and this is entitled, a dark day for crypto, a deep dive into the obliterated Terra token ecosystem and damaged apps. So it says here, following a few days of carnage, the two leading crypto assets built on top of the Terra blockchain have plummeted to significant lows. Luna has dropped to 0.0000100 per coin. And the once stable Terra stable coin Terra USD, uh, the ticker is UST, hit a low of 4.4 cents per unit. After temporarily halting the Terra blockchain and restarting it, the team has once again halted block production at block height 7,607,789. The team restarted the chain again at 8:46 a.m. and disabled on-chain swaps. Goes on to say, Do Kwan, who's the creator of this, uh, Do Kwan's amusing morning of de-pegging jokes becomes a scary reality. Five days ago, people started to get concerned about the Terra-based stablecoin Terra USD, as a slight deviation from the $1 parity took place. At that time, rumors and speculation concerning Terra's stablecoin failing started to spread like wildfire. However, the Terraform Labs co-founder, Do Kwan, shrugged it off as an amusing morning and said that Terra detractors were now all poor. Kwan continued to say that UST's depegging at the time was no big deal, 
and the tarot community believed it as well. Then the decentralized exchange Curve Finance noted that there was significant Terra USD selling taking place on the trading platform. Yesterday, someone started selling UST in mass, so it started to depeg. The Curve Twitter account said, however, that was met with a great resistance, so the peg was restored. To get enough USD for that, a lot of ETH and uh, uh, ST ETH were sold also. The Terra team seemed to take things more seriously at this point, and the Luna Foundation Guard explained that it was loaning $1.5 billion in Bitcoin and Terra USD to professional market makers to defend the peg. UST depegging transforms into a nightmare for Terra, lunatics, and the project's investors. The community was a lot more shaken at this point, and Anchor Protocol started to see significant withdrawals. Anchor Protocol was once the third largest decentralized finance protocol, with close to $18 billion locked just before the chaos started. From May 5th up until today, Anchor's total value lock slipped from $18 billion to today's $410 million. Another DeFi protocol that had exposure to Terra's native token Luna was the liquid staking application Lido. On May 6th, Lido had more than $18.6 billion, and today Lido now has around $8.95 billion locked. The once stable token TerraUSD is currently changing hands for $0.94 cents per coin after reaching a high of $0.84 cents the day prior. UST sunk to a low of $0.4 cents per unit roughly 11 hours before writing this article. While many digital currency trading platforms had shut off Terra-based wallets, there are a few exchanges still allowing UST deposits. Presently, FTX is the most active UST exchange on Friday with the top trading pair with UST is Tether. Tether represents 37.78% of all UST trades and is followed by BUSD, 31.59%, USD, 29.83%, Euro, 0.46%, and US dollar coin, 0.29%. Terra's native token Luna has suffered even more so than UST as it is trading well below a US penny. Luna's 24-hour price range has been between $0.04 cents and uh, I can't even say what that is. It's a 0. 0.0000100 per unit. Presently, it is not easy to sell Luna as most exchanges are not accepting deposits from the Terra chain. FTX today is Luna's most active exchange and BUSD is the coin's most active trading pair. Binance founder says he's very disappointed with how the UST Luna incident was handled. Terra blockchain temporarily shuts down again. Following the suspension of Luna and UST on Binance, the trading platform's founder, Changpeng Zhao, commonly known as CZ, said he was disappointed in the Terra team. I'm very disappointed with how this UST Luna incident was handled or not handled by the Terra team, CZ tweeted on Friday. We requested their team to restore the network, burn the extra minted Luna, and recover the UST peg. So far, we have not gotten any positive response or much response at all. This is in sharp contrast to Axie Infinity, where the team took accountability, had a plan, and were communicating with us proactively, and we helped. On Thursday, the Terra team halted the blockchain and applied a patch to the code base before restarting. 
After the team restarted the network at 10.13 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday evening, the team once again stopped block production. The Terra blockchain is officially halted at block 7,607,789, the team tweeted. Terra validators have halted the network to come up with a plan to reconstitute it. Then at 8.46 a.m. on Friday morning, the team announced the chain was up and running again with some features disabled. The Terra blockchain has resumed block production, the Terra team explained. Validators have decided to disable on-chain swaps, and IBC channels are now closed. Users are encouraged to bridge off-chain assets such as BETH to their native chains. Terra community contemplates restoring a snapshot of the chain prior to attack. Every Terra token built on the network suffered immense losses. Furthermore, discussions about restarting the project have started to emerge, and a Terra advocate has been talking about taking a snapshot of the chain before the attack. The community is deciding on a new Terra network between restoring a snapshot prior to attack, removing TFL, fully collateralizing UST, and drafting and deliberating new mechanisms for Luna. We must salvage the remaining value in the ecosystem and community and rebuild the right way, the Terra advocate dubbed Stable Chen told his Twitter followers. In addition to Luna and UST, tokens built on top of Terra have all suffered a great deal. The token Anchor has lost 93% against the US dollar this week, and Orion Money lost 92.4% in seven days. Moreover, Terra also had a number of tokens that represented specific fiat currencies like the Korean won. Terra's Terra KRW token has lost 84.4% in the last seven days, and the same can be said for Terra's Australian dollar token. Terra even minted the IMF special drawing rights currency and synthetic stock tokens as well, using Mirror Finance. Every single token built on top of Terra's blockchain has been shaken to the core, and most are simply valueless. Presently, the web portal mirror.finance cannot be reached as the site is down and there's roughly 39.17 million locked in the application. In a note sent to Bitcoin.com news, Dan Ashmore, the crypto data analyst at Inves.com, explains that the Terra blockchain fallout brought a lot of pain and grief. This is a dark day for crypto, Ashmore said in a statement. People have lost livelihoods. Hundreds of platforms have gone belly up. And years of building vanished. College funds, life savings, leverage gambles. There is a lot of pain out there. Regulators are watching, and this is undoubtedly a step back. Obviously, it is also a failure of the decentralized and uncollateralized stablecoin. A tremendous financial experiment has gone haywire and taken a big chunk of the market with it. Be safe. So this was obviously really big news, and it had... um, collateral damage effects on the whole cryptocurrency market. Um, the uh, Even Bitcoin sold off significantly this week, um, possibly because they had to sell some Bitcoin uh, that they were holding as uh, collateral to try to defend uh, this uh, stable coin, um, which it's funny, Lynn Alden actually tweeted that it was like a... Uh, country that was suffering from hyperinflation or speculators trying to defend its currency by selling gold um, in order to buy more of its currency. And typically those moves don't last very long. And so you lose your gold and your currency still 
hyperinflates. So um, basically the same thing happened here. Um, it's probably going to get a lot of attention from regulators. It may even speed up the, uh, the process of, of regulating, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies in general. Um, possibly also accelerating uh, regulation of stable coins, because I know that the government have been, in the U.S. have been talking about um, having banks take those over. Uh, since the banks are subject to regulation, the stable coins would be subject to regulation um, underneath the bank umbrella. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of fallout and more to come, but this really uh, rock the market. If it sounds complicated, it's because it is. And, uh, you know, whenever you're trying to recreate something in the, uh, in the uh, crypto world that, that is essentially what exists in the real world, i.e. fiat currency, um, this is, this is what you get. The difference with fiat currency, of course, is you have central banks and they have the unlimited ability to print money so they can they can defend their their currency and they can also force everybody to use it uh, for transactions and that sort of thing so um it was a um and there's still some stable coins out there um there's different types um this was an algorithmic stable coin so it was linked to another cryptocurrency that would increase or decrease its its uh, supply <clears throat> in order to maintain the peg. Um, but obviously, you know, in a death spiral that fell apart. And so the price went, you know, to this tiny amount and the number of coins outstanding, I think they was over a trillion or something like that. Uh, so obviously didn't work too well in, a, in that situation. And a lot of people lost a lot of money too. Um, why is this relevant to Bitcoin? Well, because Bitcoin did sell off during all of this and then it recovered its value. And I think a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, learned a lesson that if you wanna have something that's, um, that you can rely on, that's trustless, that's, uh, you know, not, not not subject to, uh, you know, other than the normal, you know, buying and selling market manipulation, um, it's not going to fall apart. That would be Bitcoin. And so um, hopefully, you know, some folks have learned a lesson and and uh, they realize that, uh, you know, some of these projects are, are, uh, are not safe. Okay, the next article is uh, Germany declares crypto gains tax-free after one year, even if used for staking and lending. So this was posted on today, actually, on Bitcoin.com. The German Ministry of Finance announced Wednesday that it has published a letter on the income taxation of cryptocurrency stating, this is the first time that there is a nationwide uniform administrative instruction on the subject. The finance ministry detailed that in a hearing that took place last year, one of the most intensely discussed questions was whether the tax-free holding period for crypto lending and staking should be a minimum of 10 years. The ministry noted that in coordination with federated states, the letter now states that the so-called 10-year period does not apply to virtual currencies. 
In Germany, cryptocurrency is viewed as a private asset, which means it attracted an individual income tax rather than a capital gains tax. Crypto tax firm Coinly explained, emphasizing that Germany only taxes crypto if it's sold within the same year it was bought. Coinly further detailed, as a private sale in Germany, crypto gains are completely tax-exempt after a holding period of one year. In addition, profits on crypto sales up to 600 euros per calendar year remain tax-free. The firm added, noting that previously when it comes to cashing in on staked crypto, that tax-free holding minimum period is a minimum of 10 years. Citing the letter published by the Ministry of Finance, crypto advisor Patrick Hansen explained on Twitter, the sale of acquired crypto assets will remain tax-free after one year, even if used for staking lending. Parliamentary State Secretary Katya Hessel commented, for individuals, the sale of acquired Bitcoin and Ether is tax-free after one year. The period is not extended to 10 years, even if, for example, Bitcoin was previously used for lending or the taxpayer provided Ether as a stake for someone else. So this is really good news. Uh, anytime a major country adopts uh, what I would consider to be more friendly um, tax rules for cryptocurrency, it's, it's positive for, for adoption. And uh, so here, basically, as long as you don't do short-term trades, um, you can uh, sell your crypto tax-free. So that's uh, pretty exciting stuff, especially coming out of a country, you know, as significant as Germany. Okay. And then uh, the last article I have here is, uh, this is from uh, Cointelegraph, and this was posted today. Bitcoin network fortifies as mining difficulty records all-time high of 31.251 terahash. Bitcoin's latest network difficulty all-time high makes it nearly impossible for bad actors to represent over 50% of the hash rate. Further distancing itself from any concerns of planned attacks on the blockchain, the Bitcoin network established a new mining difficulty all-time high of 31.251 trillion, exceeding the 30 trillion mark for the first time in history. The creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, warranted the security of the BTC network through a decentralized network of BTC miners who are tasked with confirming the legitimacy of transactions and minting new blocks. Given the extensive community support from developers to hodlers to traders to miners, that spans over 13 years. The BTC network was witness to a historic 10-month-long rally as it achieved mining difficulty of 31.251 trillion. Mining difficulty safeguards the BTC ecosystem against network attacks such as double spending wherein bad actors try to reverse confirmed transactions over the BTC blockchain. <clears throat> Greater mining difficulty demands higher computational power from miners to confirm transactions over the BTC network. As a result, BTC's latest network difficulty all-time high makes it nearly impossible for bad actors to represent over 50% of the hash rate, according to blockchain.com. The BTC network demands 220.436 million terahashes per second at the time of writing. Despite the crypto community's concerns related to the ongoing target attacks and an active bear market, BTC continues to position itself as the most resilient blockchain network. 
Roughly 1.4 billion of BTC was reportedly moved from a wallet tied to Luna Foundation Guard as the community announced their intent to proactively defend the stability of the UST peg and broader terror economy. Terra's ecosystem of tokens took a nosedive as the stablecoin UST depegged from the initial $1 value to nearly zero in a matter of days, sparking commotion amongst the Luna and UST investors. While Terra co-founder Do Kwon attributed the market collapse to coordinated attack against the protocol, current plans for reviving the UST and Luna ecosystems involve purchasing and redistributing BTC based on requirements. So again, uh, the network mining hash rate is how the network is secured. It took a big dip uh, back in uh, late 2021 when China banned all the miners in China. And then since that time, it's rose up to, to continue to um, have new all-time highs. So um, that this is really good, and especially considering the fact that you know Bitcoin's kind of been in a bit of a sideways, or you could even call it a bear market, be it down fifty percent from the all-time high that was reached um, earlier, um, well, last year, I guess. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just good good news to see that. Uh, despite, you know, all the drama in the market. And uh, uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that for sure. Okay. So that pretty much wraps up the uh, news portion. And uh, now we can get into the monthly portfolio review. So this is a review I do every month and I just kind of go through uh, kind of how I have my asset portfolio um, allocated between the different categories. And, um, uh, you know, talk about any moves I made during the month. Um, I will say I had very, very minimal activity this month. Um, even though it was kind of a wild month in the market, I'm not really much of a trader. So I just tend to kind of leave everything, um, you know, more or less the same. So for this month, um, cash is at 2.8%. That's down uh, from 5.9% last month. I did uh, make some additional Bitcoin investment, bought the dip, and then I also, uh, uh, needed to take care of a few other things. So cash took a little bit of a dip this month. Um, U.S. large cap was 2.5% of the portfolio. Didn't change from last month. Um, U.S. mid caps, 2.3%. Didn't change from last month. Small caps, uh, U.S., 2.2%. Didn't change from last month. International was uh, at 8%, which is up slightly from 7.8% last month. I think that had something to do with maybe the uh, emerging markets recovering. I know China has been doing better lately. Um, and then commodities was up about half to half a percent from 0.4%. Uh, um, and... Um, this month I did add a, I have a small position in URNM, which is a uranium producer ETF. 
it's something I like because uh, I think there's some potential upside due to increasing demand for green energy, high oil prices, um, which also favors uh, nuclear energy. And um, there's also some things happening in the industry with plant shutdowns being delayed and some new plants coming online that, that should, should, uh, should drive uh, demand for uranium. This particular ETF also has a nice dividend. It's sold off recently, so it's currently yielding 7.67%, which is not bad at all. And then this month, I added a small investment in a 2x leveraged junior gold mining ETF called uh, the ticker is JNUG, J-N-U-G. Um, I think that should have a nice upside here when uh, gold makes its next move up, which uh, I'm hoping will be... Um, here in the next few months. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, still no position in bonds. Don't don't believe in them. Um, I mean, they may rally, you know, uh, if uh, interest rates have peaked and people start buying bonds, uh, that would certainly drive rates down and bond prices up. And um, there's certainly opportunity to make some some money on the capital gains but if you're just holding you're you know you're stuck with something that doesn't really give you a whole lot and as long as inflation stays elevated it's it's pretty much you're looking at negative yield so i, I just can't get into it uh real estate is at 33.8 uh, percent which is a little higher than last month at 30.7 i think the real estate um was a bit more resilient uh, than, than the stocks um, this month. And uh, so it's, as a result, uh, you know, a slightly higher percentage. Um, by the way, if anybody's interested in, uh, I, I did uh, write a book on uh, my venture in uh, investing in, in real estate after the great financial crisis. Um, you can check it out on, on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, my private equity, which again, I've got um, some small, mostly very small investments in SeedInvest, um, AngelList, and Republic are the three platforms that I use. Um, I do like disruptive themes like artificial intelligence, genomics, property tech, fintech, blockchain, energy, cybersecurity, esports, cannabis. I've, you know, just kind of, you know, made a, a bunch of small investments and, uh, you know, probably most of them will not do too well, but some may do very well. And so overall it should be, a, you know, a, a good diversifier. So anyway, that that's um, currently 18.2% of the portfolio, which is up uh, from 16.4% last month. Bitcoin's at 18.2% as well. That's uh, down from 21.4% last month. So even though I did um, dollar cost average in some more, uh, Bitcoin was down quite a bit. Um, I think it was 28%-ish down month over month. So um, definitely took a beating there, but um, I'm still very, uh, I still have high conviction uh, for that. I think it still represents a very low downside risk. Uh, especially at these prices uh, and uh, extremely high um, upside or asymmetric upside. So 
Uh, and my time horizon is really long. It's, it's five, 10 years. So I don't, I don't really get too worried about short-term price fluctuations. I just dollar cost average. And then I look for opportunities to, to buy at attractive entry points, as they say, stay humble and stack. Um, and then, uh, let's see, gold, silver, and other assets, uh, that's up, uh, at 9.3%, um, which is, uh, higher than last month at eight and a half. And uh, that's mostly physical coins. I have a small position in something called One Gold, which is like a, an online app that uh, AppMex and Sprott created where you can buy physical assets that are held in various locations. You can choose Switzerland, UK, Canada, or US, um, and they'll store it there. Uh, but you can, you can use the app to actually buy this silver so they they have silver platinum and gold in the u.s and then i think it's just silver and gold and in, in the other jurisdictions um and you just put cat you know you just link it to your bank account you put money in there and then you buy it and you know you hold on to it and then if you want to take physical delivery you can do that too uh, i'm sure for a fee um and that's pretty and then uh, about half of that uh, other gold, silver, and other investments is a, an investment I have in Masterworks, which is the uh, fine art. I did a review of that uh, a while back in uh, a prior blog post. It, I think it's a pretty good platform, and it gives you a, a way to expose yourself to fine art. Um, you know, which normally you can't do unless you've got millions of dollars. Um, but uh, they. Sell uh, basically, in, you know, small shares uh, in these paintings. Um, so we'll see. It's it's a long term hold. You pretty much have to be willing to hang on to it for, you know, five to seven years. So, um, so overall, my portfolio um, was down about nine point two percent month over month, which, you know, is better than the Nasdaq at, at minus eleven but not as good as the S&P at uh, minus 8.3. So I think the underperformance is really due to the large Bitcoin position I have. Um, but again, I'm continuing to hodl it with conviction. Um, I really didn't make any changes to the portfolio other than you know, buying the Bitcoin on the dip. And I find just focusing on the longer term and the overall portfolio allocation has really kept me out of trading which I tend to not do very well and tend to lose money. Um, so uh, I'm just, that's just not my thing. So um, I think I'm well positioned for the current um, environment, uh, which appears to be low economic growth, probably inflationary for, for a little while longer. It may, we may see the rate of inflation come down, but it's still going to probably be elevated from, uh, the where where it's been, you know, the last ten years. Uh, I don't think we'll have the Fed complaining that inflation's too low um, anytime soon. Let's put it that way. Um, I do have a pretty low stock exposure overall at fifteen percent, but I feel like that you know is fine and it could actually perform pretty well since I have a higher weighting of international. And if those markets really start to outperform U.S. markets uh, in the near term, then that that should actually provide you know some better performance. So, um, 
anyway, that's kind of the uh, the overview uh, for the month. So not much change, uh, old and steady. Um, not super performance. I mean, I think last month I, I was flat. This month, you know, down. But again, not not down too far. And uh, we'll see we'll see what the next month brings us. So thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. And also don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also uh, follow my Substack at Bitcoin Fortress. Uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at uh, n i c k r e i c h e r t Nick Reichert, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye bye.